the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is Cover 3 College Football Summer School. We've done our research on the teams, and now we're bringing on the top team experts from the 24-7 Sports Network to help us fill in the blanks. Please follow us on Twitter at Cover3Podcast. That's Cover3Podcast. And leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. All right. Class is in session. Hey guys, welcome back in to another edition of the Bud Elliott Summer School College Football Series on the Cover 3 Podcast. And today, we're talking a little Arkansas, and I'm really pleased to be joined by Trey Biddy of Hog Sports. Nobody covers Arkansas better than Trey Biddy. And look at that background, man. Just look at looking sharp. <laughs> welcome, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. No doubt about it. Uh, last year, another really nice year for the Hogs. Nine and four. Uh, power ratings pretty much agreed with that. You know, it, Almost all the metrics out there had him as a, a top 25 level football team. Sam Pittman in year two uh, continues to run, run the program, seems to have everything headed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Recruiting is looking up, uh, kept the coordinators, which I, I know was something in the offseason that they were uh, they were fighting to do and managed to do that. Moved to Arkansas has got to be pretty good right now, right? Yeah, I think it is, and I think you're able to appreciate how things are right now, given what they were uh, going through in recent history and stuff like that. So uh, things seem to be shaping up pretty well. As you mentioned, uh, both coordinators and special teams coordinator, all three of those guys back for their third year at Arkansas, so you got some continuity there. That's that's always important. And really, when I think you look at this team and, and what Pittman has built and put together, it's a big team. they got a lot of speed, and they got a lot of veterans back, uh, four starters on the offensive line, not just – returning starters but guys who are entering their third year as starters guys who are entering their fourth year as starters so we got one spot to fill at, the, at that area and uh, of course kj jefferson coming back is really big for this program it's actually it's crazy kendall browse has been an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for seven years this is the first time to have a returning starter back at quarterback well wow, i've never really thought about that he's, he's just always been so good with with, with the new guy uh, even going back to when uh, when he was at Baylor and they, they played UNC in that bowl game, they didn't have any quarterbacks. They, they, they just ran a, a receiver out there and ran for like 450 <laughs> on the Tar Heels, if I recall. Um, last year, their efficiency numbers throwing the football were great, but they mm-hmm. still seemed to prefer to run it a lot more, I assume, because they had KJ in the offensive line, you know, could, could mash guys. Mm-hmm. How much of that do you think stays and, and, and do you think I'm not saying they need to open it up. I'm just kind of curious if you think they will open it up and chuck it around more, given that when they did throw it last year, uh, the results were were really good. Yeah. Well, you lose Traylon Burks, obviously, who's one of the top yeah. wide receivers in the country, probably going to be a first-round draft pick this week. And so that's that's tough. you got to figure out a way to, to replace him. Uh, but getting K.J. back, getting those offensive line back, uh, I think you you know you're probably going to see a guy that's that improves as a passer from year one to year two. Although he had really the second best efficiency rating in Arkansas history, next to Brandon Allen. So 
when you when you put it in that perspective, it, you know, he, he did a pretty good job throwing the ball. But yeah, I think if you look back at the history of Kendall Browse's offenses, like when they've been really, really good, they're always like, you know, top five, even number one one year in rushing yards per game in the country. And uh, you know, still top twenty-five in passing. That's kind of seems to be the the niche for for Kendall Browse's offense. So I would expect them to still try to run the ball. When you look at who's coming back, you got Dominic Johnson back, who is probably their best running back uh, by the end of last year. Let him in touchdown uh, in, in touchdowns. Let him in yards per carry average. He's a bigger back. You also got Rocket Sanders, who's also a big back, who's got some speed. AJ Green's coming back. They like Rashad DeBinion out of the freshman class, who was an early enrollee. Plus, you got KJ back, who ran for over 600 yards probably the second best rushing quarterback Arkansas has ever had next to Matt Jones at least during that time period uh, so you get a lot back in that regard plus that offensive line returning and you know Pittman prides himself on being blue collar that's that's kind of the theme around Arkansas and I always said you know he's had some players coming back you know from the Chad Morris era everybody looked at it as this huge rebuild the problem with Chad Morris era is they didn't fight they didn't compete you know they, we can talk about losing SEC games Sure, that's difficult to do, beating an SEC team. But losing at home to Western Kentucky, losing at home to Colorado – well, losing on the road to Colorado State, losing at home to San Jose State, losing at home to North Texas, those things are inexcusable. Uh, And that goes back to the culture and the coaching, and that was the biggest thing, and the toughness. Toughness has been a word that Pittman has thrown around. He's not like a cliche guy, but that's been a big word that he's thrown around is toughness, uh, blue chip – or excuse me, blue collar – Wearing that chip on your shoulder, those are the kinds of things that that Arkansas football is about right now. They've really embraced it under him. I I think I think that's a great point, Trey, because I, I actually like some of Arkansas's evaluations under Chad mm-hmm. Morris as far as uh, of recruits, but they they certainly didn't I translate uh, mm-hmm. to wins when Morris uh, was there. Um, in addition to to losing Burks, and obviously, I mean, he's a stud. Uh, two of the other top three receivers, you know, based off total targets last year, also depart. They bring mm-hmm. in Hazelwood. What, what are sort of the early returns there with Hazelwood, and who else do you think will step up specifically at the receiver position? Well, Hazelwood's had a green no contact jersey, so he's been a little. He went down with a shoulder early in in spring, so. But I do think that he's going to end up starting for him, probably also in the slot, just like Traylon Burks did last year. A little bit different type of receiver than Burks, but a guy that's really talented. We're seeing that early. Also, look for Keetron Jackson to possibly have a breakout year. He was the top rated recruit in the class of 2021, uh, so look for him. Warren Thompson's a guy that has really big playability, and we saw him catch several deep balls last year. But I also remember the UAPB game where he dropped three easy passes in a row so that's something that he's got to get better at is catching consistency the easy pass. man yeah. right not just <laughs> when the athletic mindset kicks in and you go make a great play the consistency of it they've got some other guys on the team isaiah satanga i think is a guy to watch uh freshman right. who hasn't enrolled yet he's a top rated recruit in this past class and you know trey knox at tight end he's a guy that's a senior uh he's 6'5", 240 right now, probably going to try to get up to about 250, a converted wide receiver, former four-star recruit, uh, a guy that's, that's played a lot of ball for him. So I would I would watch for him also. And, you know, Rocket Sanders is a converted wide receiver playing running back. And, you know, he's another guy that could catch passes for him. So you know, there's some options there, I think, at, at wide receiver. There's a few other freshmen that, that could help him. But I would probably look for Keetron Jackson, Jaden Hazelwood, and um, – and Warren Thompson to be the primary guys, but also a key guy to watch out for is Malik Hornsby. Malik Hornsby hmm. is the backup quarterback. He may be the fastest quarterback in the country. Like he, he's that fast. 
And they have got to figure out a way to get him on the field. The problem is Arkansas is thin at quarterback. They have K.J. Jefferson, they have Malik Hornsby, Lucas Coley transferred midway through the spring. So they're down to two scholarship quarterbacks. Got a couple other guys, Cade Fortin and uh, and Cade Renfro, who's coming back from an ACL, probably won't be back till August, who are walk-ons who are former scholarship players at other Power 5 schools, okay, who have transferred in. Uh, Renfro was here last year. So they're a little bit thin. So a lot of it depends how much they put – Malik Hornsby at wide receiver, how good do they feel about Cade Fortin or Cade Renfro? Because as we've seen, KJ runs the ball, and he's had to come yeah. out of the game a few times. He had to come out of the Penn State game basically the whole second half. Malik Hornsby never threw a pass, just ran the ball the whole time, and I think showed a lot of people his speed. So we saw Malik a decent bit at quarterback, but you're putting him at a higher risk for injury, putting him at wide receiver. So how do you feel about the other quarterbacks is, is going to be a big question because Hornsby is a guy that I could see catching possibly 20 passes next year and not just short dump-offs, but, you know, beating people deep because he is, I mean, I'm talking electric speed and they've got to figure out a way to get it on the field. That's, uh, there's so many fun pieces here. I mean, we, we, mm-hmm. we, you know, Hornsby, as you mentioned, Knox. Uh, I I saw Sanders a good bit down here in, in, in the state of Florida. I also saw Warren Thompson. That's why I agreed with you on, on the drops issue. Like, if you ever got that licked, he uh, yeah. look look out. But you know, Sanders is a guy athletic enough and, and strong enough to to heck play play like nickel linebacker if you wanted him mm-hmm. to as well at, at, at some programs. So um, I'm really excited. I feel like if you give you give Kendall Brown the pieces, he's he's going to put up the points. And and yet I feel like Arkansas is is equally well coached on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, but to me, they're there's more questions here as far as guys who, who are gone on that side. If we, if we can go there you know, in, mm-hmm. in the front seven, the the top three defensive linemen, not necessarily in terms of talent, but you may agree with talent, but certainly in terms of snap count are all gone. And then the top two linebackers, I believe uh, by, by snap count are also gone. That's quite a bit for a team that likes to play a lot of nickel and dime. Uh, yeah. What, what level of uh, drop off if, if there's going to be a drop off, are, are you assuming here? Well, you make some good points. I think it's interesting when you look at those three defensive linemen that started. Arkansas runs a three-two-six. For those who don't know, but you look at those defensive linemen; they all were added post-spring out of the transfer portal last year. All three of them: two, two of the guys from Missouri, one of them kind of from Houston. I guess he he transferred to Houston for a moment, uh, and then John Ridgeway, who came up from Division Two, probably going to be drafted this weekend. So. Um, they're still in the market for defensive line. They'd like to add two more, actually. Now, Isaiah Nichols has played a lot of games for him. Torian Carter has played a lot of games for him. they got a young guy in Cam Ball who's coming up. They've actually they've got some quality depth at defensive end. Uh, they've got Landon Jackson, who they got out of the transfer portal from LSU, 6'5", excuse me, 6'7", 275 pounds. Jordan Dominic also coming out of the transfer portal from Georgia Tech, a really good player there. So those guys are going to help. Plus, they have Zach Williams back. They have Eric Gregory back, who started a lot of games for them. Um, Jashad Stewart, Eric Thomas. So defensive end spot, I think, looks pretty good. They could use another, like, massive – they get one big, massive guy inside. I really think this defense has a chance to be good because while they did lose their two starters at linebacker, the guy that was named All-SEC is Bumper Poole. They had a pretty steady rotation with those three guys. So Bumper Poole had 125 tackles and was all SEC last year. So he's back for his bonus senior season. They also got Drew Sanders out of the transfer portal, who, I mean, they have some ridiculous depth at linebacker at Alabama. He started a few games for him, got injured, lost his starting spot. They've just they've got some freaks at his position. Trey, Six, are they going to use him? Yeah. Sorry, I, I just I had a cur- kind of follow up on Sanders. If, if I can stop you there, are, are they going to use him more in a traditional backer role, or do they want to use him more as an edge guy? Because I always thought yeah. if, you, if you could line him up and and, and run him off the edge, just mm-hmm. that that speed and ability to bend you know, could be special as a pass rusher. 
I think we're going to see both of that. I think, you know, we've seen some stuff they did in the spring. Sam Pittman's gracious enough to open up spring football to us, you know, where they're not preparing for an opponent. So he opens things up. So it's been, it's been fun to watch all these guys this spring, but Sanders, I think you'll see him sometimes lined up. They'll, if they'll use a third linebacker, we saw that a little bit, but also primarily, I think you're going to see him as one of the two inside guys in the three, two, six. I think that was one of the things that was intriguing about Arkansas for him to come. He is six, five. So he's a taller guy, obviously. 235, 240 pounds or so, moves really well, especially laterally. That was some of the things that stood out. So, you know, you've got some some help there. I also think Chris Ball, who's a redshirt freshman, can be a good help there. But you do lose some at linebacker. So there's a little bit of a concern there, a little bit of concern on the interior of the defensive line. Let's see what they do in the transfer portal. As I noted, they brought in all three starters last year out of the transfer portal post-spring. Now, the defensive secondary, I think, is in really good hands. They do lose Monteric Brown, who had five interceptions last year, was one of the top interception guys in the country. But they get Jalen Catalan back, who was injured really the second half of the season uh, with a broken hand and a, and a bad shoulder. Tried to fight through it for a little while. Had a really good start to the season. But this is a guy that this is a guy that did things in 2020 as a redshirt freshman that hadn't been done in the SEC since 2007 with at least 95 tackles, three interceptions. Uh, so he, he did – for a defensive back, he did some really impressive things as a freshman that year uh, and was a freshman All-American. I think that he has a really bright future. They got Latavius Brini out of the transfer portal, who started 12, I believe, 12 games for Georgia last year at safety. Uh, he's going to play more of a safety-type role versus Nickback. And they also got uh, Dwight McLaughlin out of LSU uh, in the transfer portal. Who I like Dwight a lot, three. man. Like, yeah, I, I think I've, he's I've got seen him a good bit. Yeah. yeah. He's an instinctive dude, especially with as much zone as Arkansas plays. I, mm-hmm. I feel like he used his length there, getting those passing lane, especially if you're – are they playing him at field or boundary? I, I, I don't know. They obviously. don't flip. Yeah, okay, they don't. They don't. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you, you, you make him throw it over his head. That that's he's got some nice length. He, six he's two, a pretty smart kid too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he him, and he likes to let people know about it too. <laughs> that's one thing we saw. <laughs> yeah. He was he was not shy about letting everybody know that he was at Arkansas uh, when he was out on the field. But uh, they they did some good work in the transfer portal. I mean, you talk about Landon Jackson is a it was a big time recruit coming out of high school. I think number one hundred two player in the country, something like that. Uh, uh, Drew Sanders was the number t- 22 overall prospect in the country coming out of high school. Uh, Brini obviously was a re-ranked four-star who started for Georgia, national champions uh, for several games. And then uh, Dwight McLaughlin, I think he started six games as a redshirt freshman for LSU last year So, uh, and another former four-star. So they lost some pieces, but they they got some mature pieces to what is overall a very mature team. That is something that really stands out to this bunch uh, to me is, you know, not just getting your quarterback back, all those offensive linemen, but just the whole scope of the team is very veteran and returns a lot. You know, Pittman's back for his third year. All three coordinators are back for their third year. Um, Just it's a big team with a lot of speed. I I have to say, like when I first went out there, the first practice, I was like, wow, these guys have not missed a beat. When they, you know, from watching them uh, in outback ball practices to where they started out spring ball, it was just like they'd never stopped practicing. And I think that harkens back to a lot of the leadership veteran um, theme of the team. I, I, I'm legitimately excited about our, our Arkansas this year. I, I, I guess the only real question I, I have is, you know, they, they do play a, mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it an extreme version of Ben Don't Break, but they they definitely are confident in their ability to get stops in the red zone. And it looks like one of the, just, if you look at how they play so far under Pittman and his staff, like they do not want to allow explosive scores. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to be a real emphasis. If you're going to play that way, you do need to get those stops down in the red zone. So m- making sure you have 
the big bodies on on the inside actually get get stops when it, when, it, when it gets down to you know headbanging time mm-hmm. is uh, it seems like the only real question that would cause them to backslide, right? Like I feel like everything else is poised to, and obviously Traylon's a huge loss, but mm-hmm. um, they could be better than last year, maybe. Yeah. I think there's a chance. I mean, you know, in addition to what you said, which is what are you know, all factual uh, concerns, uh, the schedule is the schedule. It's the SEC West. But in addition, you've got uh, Cincinnati coming to town the first game. You know, obviously they've got some, you know, key player that lost their quarterback and such. But uh, and they are coming to Fayetteville. But uh, that's a team that was in the college football playoff last year, <laughs> uh, a, a game that gets glossed over. And I know it's an FCS team. They, they were in the in the, you know, in the playoffs. But um it's it's Missouri State and you know who the head coach of Missouri State is Bobby Petrino Bobby Petrino his first trip back to Fayetteville so there is something about that game you know it's like all of them have, kind of have a theme Hugh Freeze at Liberty coming coming back to Fayetteville um you know Liberty obviously has had a lot of success and lose their quarterback too but uh that's a program that's had a lot of success uh BYU on the road right in the middle of the season during a tough yeah. stretch in the SEC that's another tough one uh so in addition to the regular gauntlet of the SEC so it is a tough schedule but you know, I do think that Arkansas has a better team than all those teams that I mentioned. Um, that doesn't always mean you win, but I think they've got a better team. And I look at, you know, some turmoil at Auburn right now. You know, LSU with so much starting over. Um, I, I really think, and people may think I'm crazy, but I really could possibly see 9-10 regular season wins for this team. I really could. And I, I also think you get the benefit of the – you get the good home schedule this year. There's like a bad year and a good year because Arkansas uh, has to use a home game for the for the uh, Texas A&M game every other year. So this year it's an away game, so that benefits them too with getting more home games in Fayetteville. I, I I have a hard time getting the ten, but I I can see. I saw your you know, seven. You I saw your I saw your seven pick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I but I, I I will say like if they get if they get D line short up, mm-hmm. I. I'm not rushing to the window to bet under seven and a half if, if, if the number mm-hmm. came out seven and a half. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they've got some good defensive interior guys, uh, okay. some guys that have played a lot of football, but they do need some help. Like if they could get another guy like a John Ridgeway type who they got out yeah. of Division Two last year, that's where – I mean, you look at this team right up the middle and it looks really strong. You know, when you talk about the interior defensive linemen, linebackers, safeties and stuff, that, that looks really strong if they get another guy like that. Awesome. Trey Biddy, Hogsports, really appreciate the time, man. Mm-hmm. Learned a whole lot and, and really enjoyed this. Yeah, I did too. Thanks, bud. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey guys, welcome back into the Cover 3 Podcast. This is Bud Elliott, and this is College Football Summer School. And today we're talking a little Vanderbilt, and we're joined by Robbie Weinstein of Vandy247. Robbie, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bud. Uh, uh, spring practice has wrapped up, and uh, it's basically transfer season now. It, it is indeed transfer season uh, for transparency. Uh, we are recording this on the 26th. Uh, I think we're running about 10 days on release. So uh, if you're hearing this, uh, I think Robbie will be pretty future-proof. But of course, May 1st is the transfer deadline. So we'll see who else uh, transfers out or transfers in. We'll be pretty busy there coming up. 
so Vanderbilt last year, uh, a difficult year, but a transition year, not not uh, unlike many schools that had a transition year last year. Uh, 122nd overall in uh, kind of the consensus blend of the major power ratings out there. And uh, a, a, a difficult year. You know, when you watch them, I think team speed was probably one of the one of the real things they were, they were looking to improve. Um, but I, I kind of want to just get your overall sense of where Vanderbilt is uh, in its rebuild process under Clark Lee. I mean, it, it, I think we always understood it'd be a long term rebuild. Do you feel like they are on schedule? Yeah, it's a good question. It's for sure it's going to be a long term rebuild. And it's because, like you said, the team speed was non existent last season. And, you know, I think they have made some good steps in terms of adding to that uh, via recruiting. Uh, but it's only been really high school recruiting. They haven't had a lot of, they haven't taken a ton of transfers. And for the most part, those haven't been guys at the uh, offensive skill positions. They did get one corner uh, who's going to help Jeremy Lucian from UConn, who's a good player. But uh, I, I think in general, Vandy is going to generally be focused on high school recruiting. And that means that this is going to take some time. Uh, it's going to take time for those guys to develop. Uh, particularly the offensive line has been a big issue for years now. And of course that's a position that takes a lot of time for guys to get in the weight room, you know, shed bad weight, put on good weight and get used to the speed of the game, especially in the sec. So I wouldn't say Vanderbilt is off schedule. It's just that this is, this is a pretty long-term rebuild. And, you know, what they're going to have to show this season is even though nobody expects them to have a good record they're they're going to need to be a little bit, just at least less non-competitive because there were so many games last season against, you know, kind of so-so opponents or, or merely good opponents where they just got completely steamrolled and they can't continue to do that this fall. For, for sure. Obviously I should know this, but uh, I, we've already done the Stanford episode and a couple other schools that have, you know, high academics is, is Vanderbilt handicapped in the way that Stanford is when it comes to taking transfers and that Stanford essentially due to their academic, uh, you know, restrictions they really can't take many no it, that's the weird thing it's actually pretty easy compared to stanford from what i understand i think clark lee just uh from a cultural perspective he's he's very uh particular about what he wants in players and um i think that's something that he has had to get over a little bit i think he he only wanted to take you know something like three or four transfers per class initially when he came in and he has realized uh in my opinion that that's not going to work they i think they've taken something like five or six so far and it's probably going to go up from there in future seasons. And I think Barton Simmons, you know, formerly of, of this podcast uh, and um, you know, he's the general manager of Vanderbilt. He's in charge of a lot of the evaluation and building the roster. I'm sure he wants to take transfers and I think they've had to adjust what they're going to do there because I, I think Clark Lee didn't necessarily want to rock the boat in terms of the culture in the locker room, but you know, they need productive upperclassmen that they don't have a lot of that because the recruiting under Derek Mason toward that end wasn't very good. For sure. So let, let's let's start uh, on the side of the ball that was uh, maybe not you know quite as, as good last year. Uh, 124th in overall offense. Uh, either them or Northwestern was, was probably the worst power five offense. You can kind of go back and forth debating if you really want to debate about that. Uh, you know, sounds like Seal, a fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Seals and Wright uh, were both kind of awful. Throwing efficiency wise, at least Wright could run the ball pretty well. I remember seeing him in the whatever might have been the Colorado State game or whatever game that was, where uh, he all of a sudden he broke out. What do you see happening at the quarterback position this year? 
I, I think Wright probably has a slight advantage coming out of spring ball. And that, that game that you referenced, I think probably was against Missouri. And that is okay. the best example. I think he had a 70 yard touchdown run or something like that in that game. You know, the, the offensive line I've already mentioned has been brutal for a few years. And, and then Tyler Steen, who honestly didn't even have a good season last year, but was still projected to be their best lineman. He transfers to Alabama and, and Vanderbilt doesn't really have a left tackle right now. So I don't, you know, maybe the line in general could get better because they could get better at other spots, but I think it'll probably be marginal gains at best. They need transfers there. And the thought is that Ken Seals last season, after a really solid true freshman season, he kind of got the yips behind an offensive line that didn't give him a lot of time. He was playing through injuries. And as a result, he would flush out of the pocket earlier than he needed to, or sometimes in situations where you'd rather have him step up and deliver the ball, you know, he's getting happy feet and, and running out of there to nowhere. And, it, you know, it screws the whole play over. So I, at least with right, I think, you know, even though Ken Seals, if you had a good offensive line, maybe he would be the better quarterback because he's better at throwing the ball downfield. Right, though, behind a leaky offensive line, he can make plays with his feet. And maybe you, you know, you go with him as the starter and hope that he can develop over time as a passer. Uh, that has been, you know, probably pretty gradual at best, but that's, that's where I'm at. I mean, he took the first team reps for the most part during the spring, but it was kind of, since they had a thin roster due to transfers, Seals got reps with the first team also, but at the beginning of each practice, Wright was the first guy to get the first snap. So my suspicion is that he kind of is a slight leader in that race right now. Makes sense. Uh, three of the top five pass catchers, at least by number of targets, uh, are gone. And, and I, I just wrote here in my notes, uh, will it matter? Yeah. So Vanderbilt, you know, it doesn't matter how much if they can't protect, then they're not going to be able to throw the ball downfield anyway. But what I would say is that uh, they, at least their 2022 class was ranked number 35, I believe by the 24 seven sports composite. And um, you saw that in the spring already. Jaden McGowan is, kind of a guy who was a underlooked three-star recruit who probably would have gone to Harvard if he hadn't gotten the Vanderbilt offer, but he runs like a 4-3-5-40 and he looked like one of their best offensive players this spring. He will help fix the team speed issue. So uh, Quincy Skinner Jr. is another guy who was out of St. Thomas Aquinas and had a lot of good offers. He's a true sophomore. So I, like you said, I mean, the team was so bad last season that when guys go out, even if, you know, they were starters, it, it's unclear how much that's actually going to affect things because you're losing guys who were kind of so-so players thrust into starting roles at the SEC level. Sure. Uh, switching to the other side of the ball here, I, I feel like there's room for optimism, ultimately, given Clark Lee's background. Um, do you see this unit making a jump this year? I, I think so, because... You know, one of the big storylines of the spring is that the coaching staff was a lot happier with how the defense played in terms of getting guys around the ball. There were a lot of plays last season, you know, honestly, even against UConn and Colorado State, it just kind of the dregs of FBS where there was no resistance, you know, either at the point of attack, the, the edges were not being set well and, and teams were just running up the field against a quote unquote sec defense that didn't look like one at all. That has improved. Uh, there were, you know, if you go, go back and look at tape of, you know, the scrimmages from this fall or the spring game, there are a lot more 
tacklers around the ball carrier. Basically, I think they're just playing harder. And I also think some of the transfers probably will help on defense. Lucian from UConn, I mentioned, he's a solid player. He got a high three-star grade of, of 88 from our transfer portal evaluators. And then Kane Patterson, who was a reserve linebacker at Clemson, but did play for three years. I mean, he's a decent player. And then the most of the returners, I mean, they return most of their key pieces on that side of the ball, I would say. So I think I think they are going to st- take a step forward. And Clark Lee is also going to play a bigger role in the defense this season. I, I think they could be much more passable on defense, whereas offensively, I, I don't know if they're going to take a step forward. It could be relatively similar to last year. For sure. Uh, transfer portal-wise, where, where do you see Vanderbilt going with, I mean, a, Obviously, they have to find remaining spots, uh, but if, if they do, you know, have those spots open, uh, where, where do you feel like they uh, would most want to use them? And then realistically, where, where do you think they'll be able to, to find uh, players who can help them? Yeah, I think they're probably going to have another spot or two, and it's got to be focused on the offensive line because I think ultimately – you, you look at the guys who are coming back and they're either pretty untested or they have played and they the results were not good. Uh, the, the one, you know, the hope on offense is that they actually have a play caller. They, so they demoted their offensive coordinator like one week into fall camp last season and that caused some issues. And now they're going to have the same play caller, Joey Lynch, for the whole season. But I, I just think the offensive line in terms of not giving you know the quarterbacks any time to throw, that um, – that really screws up the rest of the offense. And I think they need at least one uh, more offensive line addition. They did get Jacob Brammer, who's a uh, former all-conference right tackle or left tackle at North Texas. But, you know, that's a big step up in competition. And and I think they probably need one more tackle and one more interior player as well. No doubt about it. We will stay tuned to Vandy 247. Robbie Weinstein, really appreciate it, man. This has uh, been informative. And I, I feel like, obviously – most people will be picking Vanderbilt for, for the basement of the East again this year in what is a pretty clearly a long-term rebuild. But uh, as you know, we do talk a lot of betting on the show. So yeah. I mean, we, 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 we try to give a lot of attention to all, all teams because uh, hell, even if it doesn't show up in the win column as much as Vanderbilt fans uh, might hope, maybe they'll show up in the, in their wallets if they cover a few more spreads this year. So I know, yeah, we'll know. They, they too. It's teams that are relevant. So you might as well be aware, I guess. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I Man, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at 
at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Hey guys, Bud Elliott here. and Welcome back in to another edition of Summer School on the Cover 3 College Football Podcast. And today we're excited to be talking about Arkansas State uh, with Jeff Reed of State Nation. Jeff, what's going on? Doing well. How are you guys? Can't complain, man. Just uh, this is about the 12th one of these that I've done today and, and excited to learn more about Arkansas State. It was uh, uh, obviously a year of change uh, under Butch Jones, and it was a, a difficult year. I think the uh, the Vegas ratings had them about 119th in the country, and uh, they were exciting at times, but, but kind of uh, less often effective. Uh, I, I guess we, we could say. Yeah, it, it was really a, a major transition year. Uh, Butch Jones took over, and Butch knew that the talent level and the roster had some issues. Uh, he got here and got into it and discovered there were even more issues. As a matter of fact, he told me the story that after they defeated UCA in the opener, he was up at 4 a.m. pondering the, the team, and his wife said, came to him and said, won't you come back to bed? And he told hooked and said, we won't win another game. You know, he the roster was so depleted. Now, they did win another game, and, and they had a chance to win a couple more uh, back down the stretch, but uh, they got away. But it, it, was a, it was a transition year, no doubt. Uh, there's where was already half the roster was already turned over. There will be even more turned over going into next year, and this will probably be a, a big week for that because the, the, the portal deadline is coming up at the 1st of May, so there will be – I know there have already been – at least three guys this week, uh, none of them major contributors who have, have entered it. And they're all guys that were with the previous coaching staff, Blake Anderson, that they, his guys. And it's a different, it's a different world in Jonesboro. Now it's just, everything is just so much more focused and disciplined and on task and where it's different type coaches, different type styles, Bush, Bush is more straight on online do it this way type of guy where Anderson was probably more of a player's type coach. For sure. And I think you you see a lot of programs kind of ebb and flow from a players to more disciplinary and, you know, to back. back There's usually a back and forth on that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So last year I thought the offense was certainly the the better half of the team. Um, 108th in the nation in overall efficiency, but they, they had some dudes who could really uh, get open. They didn't always catch the ball from from, from my my watching them on TV. (laughs) Oh, man, <laughs> uh, but they 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 could get open. Uh, they they had Lane Hatcher uh, chucking it around as, as well as James Blackman, a kid who I've seen since he was a, yeah. a sophomore in high school down here in, in Florida. Um, Corey Rutgers transferred off to South Carolina, one of the top receivers, but they, they they got some other other you know players back who have some ability. What yeah. uh what are you seeing from the offense this year, Jeff? Well, last year may have been the worst team I've ever seen for dropping passes. I mean, and it wasn't just one or two guys. It seemed like it was contagious, and and, and everybody caught it. Uh, even Rucker, who had several really nice offers, uh, he, he had his issues with it. Trevadance Hunt, who's back, he had issues. I think what's happened at Arkansas State offensively is you're going to see probably less of a, a, of a wide receiver-oriented offense. Butch really loves the tight end and they've recruited very well at the tight end position and have three really good guys there, plus a holdover senior. Uh, but 
I think he he likes that because I think it's a good place to create a mismatch with usually a linebacker having to cover, you know, long, lean, fast, athletic tight ends. Uh, trying to run the try, still trying to work on running the ball. The offensive line is is as Butch likes to say a work in progress. They they have made progress. I think they're better than they were last year. Hmm, okay, but I think one thing that will help this team is. Uh, Blackman showed in the spring game some mobility. He actually even ran the ball a couple of times, which he really didn't. Uh, Lane Hatcher was pretty much, once the pocket collapsed, he was done. Uh, he was barely six feet and not the fastest guy, so there was no way to evade things, and it pretty much went down. Uh, and they had a, a real good freshman that looks really good, a kid named Jackson Daly out of Iowa, uh, big 6'3 lefty that – is it you hear this all the time he's advanced beyond his years i mean he really looks smooth and calm and i don't know how much they plan on using him uh they're getting a they're getting a p5 transfer from from miami ohio that i think is going to kind of bridge the gap because you had james as a senior then you had a bunch of freshmen behind him so you kind of got a guy but uh i think it's going to be blackman's job the transfer will probably be the backup unless daily just really emerges I think they want to redshirt him, you know, and then next year going on, then the other two, they can, they can battle for the position. I think it's going to probably be, you know, unforced errors killed them, you know, and it drives it drives Jones crazy, like drop passes. And uh, they didn't really have a, a big issue fumbling the ball, but they threw interceptions. And uh, it, was, it was really a rough year in a transition year. And defensively, early on, it was atrocious, but a lot of this, a lot of that had to do with the schedule. I mean, they had to go to Washington. They had, a, they had a good Memphis team. They had coastal Carolina, which was really good. They had app state and they played some really good teams early on. If you go back and look the second half of the season defensively, they only gave up around 26, 27, 28 points a game. And you go, wow, that's still a lot. But in this day and time, it's not really, you know, because the game is yeah. so offensive oriented now and all the rules are, are, are done to help the offense that, you know, if you can hold somebody under 30, you've got a shot to win. And that's like I said, they had a chance to win three games late in the year that, that they that they lost that, you know, if they're five and seven, things aren't quite looking as bad as they were, but they didn't get those. And so far, they're two and 10 going into uh, 22. Yeah, I, I I mean, Jeff, to your point, uh, they they finished 124th in defense rating, and uh, starting out the year, I mean, they were just off the charts bad. I was like, you you can't be worse than UMass and and, and schools like that, and exactly. they which they is were. on the schedule this next year. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's helpful for sure. Um, I I do have some questions about about some of these dudes who have transferred out along the defensive line. Uh, I saw Scott transferred and, and uh, Hampton transferred. And, and uh, so with that, I mean, that's, uh, that's four, of their, four of their top five returning guys that either graduated, I believe, or have transferred out, unless I'm wrong on that, right? Uh, uh, a, yeah, a you're right. You're right. Uh, and that's, a, you know, that was another thing that looking back at what uh, happened to last season, you had five guys that four of them were probably four of your top seven or eight players on the team transferred out you know and and butch was left with that uh terry hampton is a defensive lineman they were counting on uh Bedell scott just kind of i think 
I don't know. He, he, he just decided he wanted to move and he's wound, he's going to Eastern Michigan. Uh, now Terry's got Hampton has gotten some really nice offers. I've seen just looking on Twitter today. So he'll probably be a, he'll be a P five guy for sure. Uh, That'd be an area that they'll focus on. Um, I've talked to in the portal, you mean? Yeah, uh, they're going to wait and see what really. I imagine the last day of May will probably be like you know, blue light special at Kmart, it'll be going crazy, <laughs> you know, and uh, there'll be guys popping in there. Some of you think, why, you know, and Butch wants to build the program through high school players, but you know, at the same time, if you can get a portal guy that's in his first or second year it's not a bad thing because now they don't have that immediate transfer that, that they can, that they can fall back on, you know, they, cause they've already, they've already burned it. So that's, you know, we'll see what happened. They, they got the, the, the young man out of, uh, out of, out of Vanderbilt that's, that's coming in to play that uh, defensive lineman that is, uh, that is, uh, Sujic, uh, preach from a, a Jersey kid. They really think highly of him. He'll get he'll get playing time. They've moved a, a, a Hassler kid, a defensive end inside, and but I really think they'd like to add some experience depth in there. The defensive ends position looks really good right now. Uh, linebackers looking better, uh, safeties looking better. So they they they've got some pieces that have been better. That but they're really going to have to shore up that interior defensive front. For sure. I- are you expecting this defense to, to be better overall this year? Like, oh, like, like or, or do you yeah. think they'll just play kind of at the level they played the end of last year? Well, one thing about their improvement, their schedule kind of got more to, toward their talent level, which, sure. which helped. Uh, the schedule this year is not nearly as bad. Yeah, no, you start with Grambling, then you go to Ohio State, which, you know, that's kind of give me the money, let me go back home type. Yeah, thing. it's about the paycheck game. Uh, sure. Go to Memphis. You don't really know Memphis. There, there's two schools that's 70 miles apart. There's some rivalry there, and and as bad as Arkansas State was last year, the last play of that game, they're throwing a hail mary into the end zone to win it. I mean, yeah. so they had a shot. Uh, so the schedule is a lot more favorable uh, from the from the they get Old Dominion and. James Madison uh, from the east with the new and large uh, Sun Belt. Uh, they get they have to play Southern Miss because they're a divisional foe now. So uh, Butch is not as discouraged about the schedule as it was last year. It's just last year. I mean, they were. I think they played in Washington and had to come back home, which is a long trip, and then turn around and play a conference opener on a Thursday. You know, and it was just yeah. just was not. You know, he was furious about the schedule. He really was. Uh, got a little bit better one this year, and I think that will help. But I do – I think the people that they've added, now they really got to stay healthy on the inside, on the interior. And, of course, a lot of that depends on what they're able to add. But they'll – so – but I think there's no question the defense – the defense will be better. Awesome. Jeff, I uh, really appreciate the time today. Everybody needs to follow State Nation for all your Arkansas, Arkansas State sources out there. We'll have to have you back on for uh, for a little fall preview action. Hey, anytime. Let me know. Thanks so much, Jeff. Thank you. All right, that was great. We'll uh, we'll shoot this to you when uh, when it goes live, probably about ten days from now, and uh, it'll be good. Hey, appreciate it. Anytime. Thank hey, no you. Doubt. Take care.
we have now. All right, that's the bell. Cover three college football summer school is over for today. But don't worry, we'll be back soon with even more episodes filling you in on the top teams in college football. Please give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on YouTube and on Twitter at Cover 3 Podcast. And we'll see you all soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.